0: One thing they do know is that I struggle with an eating disorder for a really long time. In that recovery, I actually kind of hopped from addiction to addiction. After the eating disorder, I kind of turned to cigarettes and then I turned to sex.
1: Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Hi, Secret Life listeners. Before I get to the episode... We wanna take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the legal rights to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to choice.crd.co. Mark and I encourage you to speak up Take care of each other and spread the word. Now, enjoy the episode. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Breanne davis Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves and others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably wanna take to your grave? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing really the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, yay! My guest is Liz Dun Dun Dun. What is your secret?
0: Well, okay. So as you're doing the introduction, you're like those deep, dark secrets, whatever that people don't know. And I feel like I've always kind of been an open book. Like I've shared openly about me, like pooping my pants in public before. And I'm like, no shame, whatever. But there are things about me that a lot of people don't know. And one thing they do know is that I struggle with an eating disorder for a really long time. But in that recovery, I talked about how I found healing and I found like all these um, amazing things, which was true. But that road to healing was not like, oh, I just, I healed and then I no longer had addiction anymore. I actually kind of hopped from addiction to addiction. And that's a part that I never really shared before. Oh, I love that. And that's, they usually call it like the whack-a-mole.
1: Like you get stop doing one thing, but it goes to another area of your life, right?
0: Yeah. And one of them is like very shameful for me because it I don't like it at all. And like I work as a birth doula. So I know like the importance of ovarian health and how it affects your eggs. Um, and one of the first things that happened when I was seeking my healing and going back and forth was I started smoking cigarettes. And that's something that like nobody knows about me because I did it in hiding, and even the guy I dated at the time still doesn't know that I was smoking cigarettes. Like I would, like do it like in the behind a dumpster somewhere, and I'd be like mouth washing and doing like everything that I can to scrape. I'd change my clothes, like everything to hide the smell, the smell of it. And um, I ended up smoking for like three or four years, and it was something that I never admitted like you know like I would go out and I'd be like oh I just smoke when I drink every once in a while or oh I just smoke every you know here and there but it actually like became a thing and that's how I learned to cope with my stress from being like in an eating disorder that was like when I was stressed out that's what I would do is my eating disorder that's how I felt in control. Um, that's so crazy that you just said that because I'm not
1: breaking anybody's anonymity, but one of my sponsees who I've been working with for years, just told me that she's been a smoker the entire time and, and doesn't tell the people she's dating. She's smoking. My husband also did that too. He was more shameful about smoking than about drinking or dating. So I love that you're talking about this. So My first question for you, let's go back. When was the first time you had a cigarette? Like, when was that time you glamorized that first puff of the cigarette and that high?
0: You know what? I honestly don't remember. I remember trying a cigarette in high school and it was like the most disgusting thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I didn't until honestly, it started when I was like 2013 and I had gone through a really bad breakup. I was seeking healing for my eating disorder and I booked a one-way ticket to Africa and I was gone for like six months, just backpacking and traveling. And when I was traveling, a lot of travelers smoke and it's a lot more casual in other countries. Yeah. And that's really where I started. And then I found it to be a stress release when I was like in these environments where I couldn't throw up, I could have a cigarette and feel better. Like I couldn't get this food out of me, but like I could have a cigarette and it'd make me want to take a shit. So (laughs) isn't it
1: an appetite suppressant too? Isn't nicotine like an appetite? Like I remember from a young in the eighties that Somebody said like smoking makes you not want to
0: eat. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what they say, but I feel like because of my food addiction, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if it necessarily did that, but it was like, you know, more of a choice for me. It's like, okay, am I going to eat this food and throw it up or am I going to have a cigarette and, you know, just, uh, pick my poison that way, I guess. Yeah. Which one should I choose today? Which made
1: to ism out of my reality? So you, the smoking, why is it so embarrassing for you to admit that? Like, what about it? I'm so curious because I would think the eating disorder would be harder because I used to have an eating disorder and I don't talk about it that often, but then you know, like you would think the sex and love for me would be hard to talk about and the eating disorder would be easier, but it's the other way around. So I'm just so curious.
0: Yeah. I think also because anybody that did was always like smoking's disgusting. Like mm-hmm. when women smoke and I thought it was gross too. So it was the eating disorder was easier to talk about. Cause I was like on my healing journey. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I used to, this but I don't really anymore even though I did and so then I felt like the smoking though was very real and I was in the moment of it but I didn't want to admit that I was addicted so I mean I ended up getting on medication to quit like I took a prescription pill in order to quit and it was after I met my now husband he didn't even know like if he knew I smoked he probably never would have dated me like he thinks it's disgusting you know so um it was just to me, like nobody can know this about me. Maybe, I mean, maybe it was just because you get hidden, the hidden like secrecies that are intoxicating as well. Because when I was trying to get over smoking, I moved on to another addiction, which I'll share too. Oh my God. And this so. is like a boatload <laughs> of secrets. I love it, but still
1: I don't. Okay. So here's where I want to break it down. How did your now husband not know? Because when my husband, when I would go and shoot a movie and come home, he would pick, go buy cigarettes immediately after I left. And I could smell it in his nose. And I knew he'd been smoking. So how do people not smell it? I don't understand.
0: Right. Well, um, we dated long distance. So we would see each other for like a weekend. And I I could not smoke for a weekend and be fine. Um, okay, but then by the time, sense. like I had moved <laughs> mm-hmm. by the time I had moved, I wasn't like smoking really anymore. So, so yeah, but after the eating disorder, I kind of turned to cigarettes and then I turned to sex. And for me, I, the eating disorder and the sex are like hand in hand. So I grew up in this like very conservative environment And my belief with my body is what led me to my eating disorder. Like, Mm. I believed that as a woman, my body was shameful. Mm. And I, like, if a guy looked at you and you caused him to like, quote unquote, stumble, it's your fault, right? If a guy's checking you out, that's your fault, which is just not true. So, um, and I, that kind of got ingrained in me at, at a young age so I kind of had it ingrained in me like that as a woman um it's my fault you know a guy looks at you the wrong way you cause him to stumble And I didn't remember this, but my dad had shared with me once that in junior high, I I hit puberty Mm -hmm. and I'd come home from school crying because the guys started looking, looking at me differently. And I felt so ashamed of my body. I felt so ashamed of who I was. And that's when my eating disorder started. I was 13 years old and I hated my body. I hated myself as a 13 year old. And so I grew up just kind of in this mentality that like, your bad, your body's bad. Right. So once I got healing from the eating disorder and then I started smoking cigarettes and then I'm like, I need to quit smoking. Then I found this like sexual liberation thing of like, my body isn't bad. Like I'm in control of my body. I'm, um, you know, like if you're a woman, like you should own your sexuality, own who you are. And I kind of swayed the opposite way. And I loved the control of, I can have sex with this person and I can choose whether I want to talk to them ever again or not. And that made me feel empowered because I wasn't getting rejected and I wasn't, um, you know, just, I wasn't, um, I don't know how to describe it. I guess I'm looking for the words. No, I think that's so fascinating, you
1: know, because when I remember that clear moment where I came into my body and I was walking in the mall with my dad and this man, his age was like checking me out. And it was this, you know, at 14 and you're like, you start to see that you have that power with your sexuality, but you don't even know yourself or even know what your body is doing and all that stuff. It's a little terrifying. I have to say, and people don't talk about that. They sexualize young women and, then the way we, you and me, we make it about power and control and that we're in charge of our sexuality. But that's very dangerous. You, it sounds healthy, but it's very dangerous. So I understand exactly what you're saying and I don't have the right word either, but I know exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I felt like that that was like just a couple years of my life of, um, I mean, I had been rejected in relationships. And um, I had been in a very unhealthy relationship where I was cheated on. And was it you
1: going after unavailable people? Like you keep kept going after unavailable people?
0: Yeah, kind of. I mean, the guy who cheated on me wasn't necessarily unavailable. Like he wanted to be together. And it was just my first relationship of sexual exploration. And then I felt trapped in it. And we were together for three years. It was on and off. He lied to me. It was really terrible. He treated me like crap. Um, and then I went for unavailable (laughs) people. Um, and then, and then I just didn't care anymore. I didn't want to be in a relationship. I just wanted to hook up with people and feel, and what I was telling myself was feel good about myself, right? right? Like this makes me feel good. I feel in control. I feel, um, sexy. I feel empowered. And ultimately it didn't really hit until a little bit later. I just, really realize how empty that was. And it wasn't about any of those things. Again, it was me still this little girl, this 13 year old girl yeah. <laughs> seeking healing from um, lies that she believed about her body being inherently wrong or bad. And that journey was so hard to recover from because getting over the eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Required me like stopping doing it and I gained weight
1: mm-hmm.
0: and wasn't allowing myself to throw up I was trying to let my body find its natural place mm-hmm. and that's where I acted out sexually um, to feel sexy and good about myself and then kind of getting over all of that, it was like you don't want to face those demons so <laughs> You just kind of move on to other things. I think it's so
1: fascinating that you talked about your eating disorder and how that was easier to get over than your sex addiction. Because with the eating disorder, for me, you can see on the outside, like there's a change. And I feel like with a sex and a love addiction, it's you can people can't see it. It's not like drugs and alcohol where you can physically see someone change. Ha- has that been harder to go through that? Change and letting go of those behaviors more than any of the other ones.
0: Um, I don't necessarily think so. I feel like once I, one, I feel like with the with the sex, like I knew I was kind of done, mm-hmm. and it was just after being like, you know, what isn't fulfilling for me at all, mm-hmm. and I did that I was ready and in a place. I was almost thirty, and to find like a relationship where I felt valued, but I needed to work on myself. Like I needed to be able to offer that to else, uh, in order for somebody to be able to offer that to me. So I actually did a course to become a life coach. Mm -hmm. And during that, like you get coached. And I felt like that was very, very healing for me. And it brought up a lot. And I found out some of my core beliefs were hindering me. And so I finally was able to work through that. And it was kind of at the end of that road. Um, I met my husband, he actually had gone through the same program to be a life coach, but he had finished before I had. And so we met through a mutual friend and we just started talking and he actually really helped me heal a lot. Um, and he's just so loving and accepting. I like I could tell him anything with zero judgment. It's so crazy now because looking back, there's a lot of things I wish I didn't do. Um, but I also wouldn't be where I am now. And I'm in a very relationship where I haven't even thought about my eating disorder in years. Like it doesn't creep up on me still at all. And I, I don't smoke (laughs) at all. And I get to like explore that that sexual space with my husband who makes me feel safe and loved and wanted and you can connect with on a bunch of different levels. So, um, I mean, it's definitely been a journey and I feel like I went through a lot to get here, but he like, he just loves me so well that I don't feel like a horrible person for some of the things I did. (laughs)
1: I love that and I can, you know, agree with you if you find the right partner that they can help you heal those wounds, especially if you find someone non-judgmental, been through stuff themselves, cuz my husband is the same way. I, you know, he really stood by me while I played with those demons and I not that a relationship can fix you, but that's beautiful that you guys got to the other side of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and especially like him, he's such, he's such a, like a straight arrow type of guy. Like he's never smoked a cigarette or done any drugs or. Oh, he's a normie. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, you have
1: to say that my husband is not a normie at all. He's an addict through and through, but how awesome of him that he didn't go through those things and he understands.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. That's like what blew my mind because when I met him, I really was shut down. I I had gone through a lot of healing, but my heart just wasn't open to receiving. I always said I had a cocoon around it. Like, Mm -hmm. cause I, I was in this good space for myself and I just needed to keep it safe. And he, he really helped me crack that open and be able to like take a chance on love again. And on myself and trusting myself that I would be wiser in this relationship and I wouldn't get triggered and turn to other things. And, um, and he was just so supportive and loving and amazing. So, but so you're telling
1: me that your addict brain doesn't take over at all. Do you ever feel yourself like disconnecting? Do you have any other ism you think? I'm just um, curious. It pops in my head. Like you know, some people like Netflix out or go on social media. They're not as toxic as, you know, an eating disorder and stuff. Do you
0: have any of that addict brain left? Um, I think, I mean, if you ask my husband, he would say yes. <laughs> oh, let's get your husband on and have him. I'm just um, <laughs> no, more like for me, I realize what I guess helps me is I, I'll put on like Netflix or something and... Mm-hmm stone out. And I rewatch the same things over and over and over. Oh my God.
1: Like what is, what are you rewatching right now?
0: Well, I basically just literally, I watch friends, the office and parks and recreation and just like mindless shows like that, where I know what's going to happen. I know everything. I like, I don't have to think about it, but it's just, mindless and my husband like numbs you out you're just like
1: (laughs) that's hilarious my my really good best friend watches friends like all the time and my numb out show is the great british baking show like i (laughs) i could just literally have it on just to numb out
0: yeah and i feel like that it is something like for, so for Lent this year, I actually, I've never done Lent before in my life. Mm-hmm. And this year I'm like, I have a Netflix problem. So I'm going to give up Lent for, or I'm going to give up Netflix during the day for 40 days. And I actually did it um, because I would just find myself throwing it on mm-hmm. um, when I was folding laundry or cooking dinner, like anything. And, and I miss It it actually started literally, now that you bring it up, (laughs) that started when I got back from that big trip and I was like seeking healing for my eating disorder. I didn't even own a TV before that. I never owned a TV. And then I moved in, um, I had a roommate and I just found myself like, becoming a couch potato all the time. And yeah. before that, I would grab a book. I would listen to a podcast. I would listen to an audio book. And so during Lent, I started doing that again and it felt really good. Um, however, I didn't keep it up. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. You're like, I feel so
1: good. Then why am I doing it again? Why? Do, why? Yeah, but that's that attic <laughs> brain that doesn't <laughs> want to stay in reality 24-7. Yeah,
0: it is. And it's like, I could be... I could do so much more with my time. It's like such a time waste. Like I could be listening to an awesome audio book. Cause I have a list of books I want to listen to or read. And I'm like, Oh, I should do that right now. Mm, I'm just going to put on friends cause I don't feel like, you know, w- pushing my brain open. <laughs> like I just want to stay closed and, um, and do something night mindless. Like you said, you just kind of numb out with that. So, I mean, I do have that. Uh, and I strive to one day not.
1: <laughs> well, I love, we got so many secrets from you, which I'm like so happy about. <laughs> I th- didn't think we were, but you were like an onion. You were willing to peel it back and say, here, this, this is the steps. And I love that you recognize like the Netflix problem. Cause I feel like a lot of people have it right now that they, just put it on and just want to numb out. But one question before you go, you're a mother, right? You had a kid? Yes, I have an eight-month-old. How has being a mother, you know, with that whack-a-mole attic brain, has that brought any triggers? Because when I became a mother, I realized, wow, kids can bring out a lot of of things inside that I hadn't worked on. Is that (laughs) happening for you
0: yet? Um, I would say it happened, honestly, the most in the first couple months. Mm -hmm. Um, Torture, right? Like your whole, you're like, who am I?
1: I? Why did I have a child, even though I love you, but I just don't know what I'm doing? Did you
0: have that feeling? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And very overwhelming because I found myself getting so angry and not Mm -hmm. necessarily like at her. It's like, I'm exhausted. And you woke up again. And I, I just want to grab this vase and throw it against the wall and hear it shatter and just like be pissed, but I'm Mm -hmm. not pissed at you. Like you're a baby, you know, like I'm just like angry. And it, and it did trigger a lot in me. And it made me reflect on my relationship with my mom a lot, and it made me reflect on the type of mother I want to be mm-hmm. and there I mean my mom's amazing; she would do anything for me, and I think that everyone does the best they can based on what they have yeah. um, There was definitely things that I needed that I didn't get um me too girl, me too girl. Like I think too like knowing that I had an eating disorder at 13 and it's like how did you not see this? Like how did you let me believe these things? Like you know just kind of yeah, just some of that stuff and then um and then just realizing, man, I still have some stuff to work on in order for me to be the mother that I want to be and I don't want to bring my past into my motherhood. Like I want to see what my daughter Jovi's about. Like, what, what does she love? Like, what is she, who is she? Cause it's not about who I am at all. It's who is she like, who is she meant to be? Who she's created to be? What are her passions? What is, you know, what is, how does she want to create in the world? And so, um, learning that, it really has nothing to do with me. It, that doesn't mean that I don't have advice and <laughs> some things to offer to her because I, you know, based on experience in life, but um, but just learning that those are the things that I need to work on myself uh, in order to be the best for her.
1: I love that. And that's such a healing place that you're coming from. I love that you talk about wanting to throw the vase. For me, I would be like, why are you crying I don't know what you want. It was like that control. I, I had no control. I didn't know how to fix it. I was so... And I also look back at my mom and was like, whoa, what did I not get? What do I want to do different? And I love, and this is, I love that she, your daughter is her own person. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not even really about you. You're just a guide. My son, he he doesn't fill me. You know, I had him, but he's not mine. He's his own person and he's going to have his own journey.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's really hard. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) Easier said than
1: done, but it's like, that's the truth, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, 100%. (laughs) I feel that so much.
1: Well, I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful you came on. I'm grateful that you really just went through the steps and showed that there can be these little moments in your life where you do addictive things, but then it can change and morph. And not many people talk about that and come on. So thank you so much for sharing your truth. And the last question I wanna have for you, if anyone out there is going to those things, finding themselves, always reaching outside of themselves, what would be your advice for them?
0: Um, man. So one of the things that really helped, I found a lot of healing in silence. So a lot of like putting down the phone, shutting off the TV, off your apps. Like if you can go like somewhere for like a weekend and just be in silence for a day or two, so much comes up for you and you start recognizing the lies and the patterns and and, and once you recognize it, you can choose whether to believe it or not. It doesn't mean that you're immediately gonna make that shift in your mind because you don't, <laughs> um, but choosing then to believe new things and and then building on that. So if you can find silence somewhere, uh, I feel like that's very healing. And then also getting help. There really is no shame. Like when you share things, you're no longer just the only one holding on to it. It's not like this deep, dark, hidden thing anymore. Uh there's other people that know about it. And surprisingly, they love and accept you and they want to help you as well. So finding somebody that you can talk to about it as well, I've found is super helpful.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Liz. I, I'm eternally grateful for you. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.
0: These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.